This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Bringing you a common sense and fresh perspective to creating a just society. This is Common Sense on Social Justice. You'll get equipped with the tools you need to carry out social justice right where you are. Now, here's the host of Common Sense on Social Justice, Michael Davis. And thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so glad that you are joining us on this continued conversation on the compendium of the social doctrine of the church. A doctrine that the Pontifical Council of the U.S. Catholic Bishops put out on social justice. And if you can get a copy of that, I'm sure you would be very blessed by that. And even though it's a document put out by the Catholic Church, it's actually a universal document that's good for all people to understand, how do I act justly towards my neighbor? And today we're continuing in chapter 8 on political community and what a just political community looks like. And in this second part, we're talking about what is the heart of the political community. And we're going to be talking about things like where does the political life originate? Why does it exist? What is it? What is its aim? Uh, And uh, all these various things. Now, Again, I want to remind you my perspective, where I'm coming from. I am what's called an orthodox anarchist, meaning I do not believe in government authority over my life, but I recognize that the masses of humanity need government over them because they do not know how to live uh, justly in a society without external controls. But for people who do know how to treat others well without external controls. We choose to live our lives uh, without that authority over us, even though we do cooperate to a certain degree. In other words, I pay my taxes uh, without fighting that. And I, I do uh, vote sometimes if I feel like an issue is, is important enough so that there's justice in society. But my ideal world would be no nations, no government, rather everybody living in small villages with maybe a chief to sort of bind that village together in unity. Uh, uh, that also, by the way, lends itself to relationship if you know the people in your community, whereas I don't know anybody in the United States except the immediate people in my life, and yet I'm somehow expected to to uh, live in unity with 300 million people. And so because of that, it creates a lot of conflict and problems. Uh, President Joe Biden was on television a few weeks ago and gave a speech that, to be honest with you, reminded me of Hitler's speeches. Now, again, because of my orthodox anarchist views, I do not support a Republican or a Democrat president. So this is not an anti-Democrat statement. It's just my, my view of what the speech was like. Uh, What he was talking about was that those who supported Donald Trump for president were our extremists and likened them to terrorists and semi-fascist and a threat to democracy. 
on national television. That reminded me a lot of speeches in the past in Germany that happened. And what that did is it created conflict and division and arguments among people. And even one man I found out this week shot and killed a Republican who approached his door and said he was inspired by that speech to do so. And so this kind of, of speech given by a president who is to be a uniting force and many speeches of past presidents, including Trump himself, in the political community are is where the political community has gone very, very wrong. Uh, these individuals who support one president over another or one ideal over another, we have to remember, even if we don't agree with those individuals' point of view, these are people who have families. And they're people who have families that they have to provide for, and they go into work every day, and they have dreams for their children. And that's one of the things we need to unite around is it doesn't matter what title you use, liberal, conservative, Republican, Democrat, independent, whatever title you use, all of us have one thing in common, and that is we have dreams and aspirations for our families and our children and ourselves. And using rhetoric that says that these people with families who go into work to uh, every day are on the same level as the Taliban. That's not how political community is supposed to work. But unfortunately, that is where our political leaders are currently on both sides of the aisle. And in other countries, you see political leaders who are just decimating their citizens who they're supposed to be serving. So that leads us to a question then, what does a just and healthy political uh, community look like. I want to read from the compendium of the social doctrine of the church, a paragraph that I think really speaks and has a lot to say to us in regards to really what is a just political community. In paragraph 384, it says that the human person is the foundation and purpose of political life. Let me repeat that. The human person is the foundation and purpose of political life. Endowed with a rational nature, the human person is responsible for their own choices and able to pursue projects that gives meaning to their life at the individual and social level. Being open to both the transcendent and to others is their character and distinguishing trait. Only in relationship to the transcendent and to others does this human person reach the total and complete fulfillment of their self. This means that for the human person, a naturally social and political being, social life is not something that they add on, but is part of an essential dimension of who they are. So in other words, as human beings, we are social by nature, which means we naturally interact with other humans. And because of that, the human person is to be the very foundation and the reason why a government even exists. Uh, I love how Abraham, President Abraham Lincoln phrased it in one of his speeches that the U.S. government is a government of the people, by the people, for the people. 
that is why government is supposed to exist is for the well-being and safety of its citizens. That is not where our governments are now. They exist in and of themselves. Anything that any politician does these days is for political points. And that's it. It is not for us. It is not for your good. It is for their own personal good. But that's, but the, as the compendium points out, in a tr- truly just political community, you have freedom for individuals and families to thrive and to pursue what goals they choose to pursue. Now, uh, in the next paragraph, paragraph 385, it goes on to say that the political community finds its authentic dimension in its reference to people. It is and should in practice be the organic and organizing unity of a real people. The term a people does not mean a shapeless multitude, an inner mass to be manipulated and exploited, but a group of persons, each of whom at their proper place and in their own way is able to form their own opinion on public matters and has freedom to express its own political sentiments and to bring them to bear positively on the common good. So, in other words, uh, people are individuals, individuals who have families that they're responsible for, and we are, the government's goal is to provide an atmosphere for those individuals to thrive and to have opinions. You know, I live in Portland, Oregon, and Portland, Oregon has a nasty habit where one group will violently shut down another group who has a differing opinion. And when I say violently, I'm talking about throwing Molotov cocktails at the opposing group in order to do bodily harm to them. There was a, a church uh, last summer who was uh, having a worship service at the waterfront park in downtown Portland. And that's a completely legal activity. They weren't bothering anybody. They weren't taking over the park. They just had a small place in the park where they were conducting an outdoor worship service in the summer. And Antifa came and literally beat one of the babies, physically beat one of the babies of one of the members of that church and attacked and beat the pastor. Why? Because they had an opposing viewpoint. See, that's not healthy. That's not what the political community is about. It's about creating a society where people interact with each other in a way where everyone is respected, everyone's opinion is valid, and where there is is uh, a mutual coming together of having what's called a free market discussion, a free market of ideas. Uh, there's one uh, um, famous podcaster that uses that uh, phrase a lot, a free market of ideas. And that just means people can come to the table and share their ideas without consequences for having that idea. You know, and that's what should happen in a truly healthy political community. And I said it before with President Lincoln, but in the U.S. Constitution, there's this beautiful phrase that I love in the U.S. Constitution is this phrase, we the people. It says, we the people of the United States of America, and it comes together to form a more perfect union. And I love 
By the way, I think it's a humorous statement how they said we come together to form a more perfect union. They could have said, you know, that British, they're they're a bunch of eggheads over there in England and we're forming a better country. But they said we're coming to form a more perfect union. <laughs> That's kind of a joke, joking way to say, yeah, they're perfect and we're just doing it better. That's all. <laughs> but I love that phrase, we the people. And that is where political life and the where the true power of a nation is supposed to rest is in the hands of the citizens. And the, the founding fathers of this nation tried to create a nation where each citizen, the person that works in the factory, the person that works in the local store, the person that does DoorDash every day, that person holds the political power in the nation. That's the way it's supposed to be in a truly just society. The other night I was invited over to this uh, elderly couple's home. I, they're in their 70s, and they invited me into their home for some fine wine, and I enjoyed the fine wines that they had purchased, and they wanted to have a discussion. They wanted to know the answer to one question, who is this Michael Davis? <laughs> Apparently, I'm a mystery to be solved for some people, but anyway, the... The, the wife, she repeatedly said throughout the conversation this phrase, the consent of the governed. She says, we only have a government, and she's a retired college professor. She said, we only have a government in the United States because we, the citizens, have consented to that government. In other words, they di are not to be forcing themselves on us. We choose to allow them to govern us. And I thought, you know, as she kept repeating that, it started getting stuck in my head. And the fact is, there is no political authority without an agreement to it. So we should exercise our true authority as citizens, the authority of we the people, and tell the government, when necessary, back off or get lost. You know, and I know that places like China, you can't do that without being murdered, but... In places like our nation, we have that ability, that authority to say, hey, back off or get lost, or I'll vote you out of office, you know, and so use that power, use that authority. If the government is not working for the good of your family, just tell your local senator, say, I'm more than willing to vote for the other person if you want to continue to act this way. So, yeah. Now, this brings us to an important point, then. Why does the political community even exist you know and as i said a few weeks ago politics happens even within our homes in the family at home around the dinner table we make political decisions in the home you know when we're telling the children clean up your rooms that's a political <laughs> statement it's an interaction between humans and so we can't get away from a political community, but why does the larger political community exist? It exists so that we can more fully live out the common good. You see, as individuals, we do not live for ourselves, or at least we shouldn't live for ourselves. We should be living for the common good, not just what is good for me, but what is good for my neighbors. You know, what works out for them? And that's why sometimes when it comes to political discussions, we have to have some tough discussions because I can't be making decisions based upon just what's good for me, but how does this affect my family? How does this affect my neighbors?
this decision. If I have garbage piled up in my front yard, how does this affect my neighbors? You know, these kinds of things. And unfortunately, we don't do that. Some people say, well, I have a right to do that. You know, you hear that all the time from people. But, uh, w- you know, the political community exists to create an environment to allow us as citizens to fully live out the common good. And as I said, you do not exist for yourself. Uh, in fact, Jesus said that there are two reasons why we exist. We exist first to love God and then to love our neighbor. Love God, love your neighbor. He says that's the two main reasons why we exist. That's it. So government in its proper role can help us to live that out more fully. So for example, uh, I live in Oregon. Now Florida which is on the opposite corner of the United States from Oregon, just experienced a devastating hurricane. People lost their homes, lost their possessions. Uh, Some people lost their lives or, you know, may have suffered physical injury from the hurricane. Now, what the government can do in its proper place is help me love my neighbors in Florida by helping me efficiently move money and supplies to Florida to help the people there. I cannot necessarily go to Florida and get supplies to Florida, but the governments of Oregon and Florida can work together to efficiently move money and supplies to help the people in Florida. See, that's the common good in action. And that's where the government is actually doing its real job. Now, one thing I want to talk about and the compendium brings out is within a nation uh, or any type of, of uh, political community, how do you relate to minorities, minority groups? You know, every nation has groups of people that we call minorities. And these are our brothers and sisters whose language, culture, and land of origin are not within the mainstream culture of that nation. So whatever nation you're talking about, even if it's in, you know, here in the United States, we think of, of minorities, Spanish people of Hispanic origin or African origin or, or whatever. But even in India, people that are not of Indian origin that moved to India are a min- minority because they're not in the mainstream of that culture. But the thing is, is these people too have rights. They have the right to exist. They have the right to thrive. They have the right to belong. Uh, they have the right to, um, Uh, to move about. They have the right to work and to provide for their families. Uh, One of the things, you know, I I know the United States gets a bad rap a lot, but I'm going to give some kudos to the United States. We are a nation who are trying, and we've tried for 250 years to get all languages and all cultures under the same roof. And I know people bash us for all the mistakes we've made, but I don't see a lot of other countries trying this experiment This is a grand experiment. All nations, all cultures. In the city where I live in Portland, there are 144 languages spoken in Portland. Tell me, is that happening in Finland? (laughs) Is that happening in England and these places? No. So give the U.S. a little credit for trying (laughs) to get this thing right, to get everybody in the world under one roof. And and just like with the family, you're going to have conflicts. But 
what we can do is do a better job by going back to our goal. When it comes to people of other languages and cultures coming here, we have to remember they have a right to exist, they have a right to thrive, and they have a right to belong. If we can get that right, then we're making progress. So I encourage you, if you have people living in your neighborhood that are not part of the uh, average American culture, then invite them to your house for dinner. You know, say, how can we be good neighbors to you? And then finally, we have to remember today that individuals make up the community and nation. A nation is not a mass of blank faces. Rather, a nation is made up of people like you and me, people who have dreams, they have goals, they have plans, they have histories, and who in their everyday life enjoy conversations, they have fears, they have joys, and so on. And any just government is going to recognize that any decision they make as a government is going to affect that individual who has individual histories and dreams, desires, and fears. We must get away from the machine. We've got to get away from the matrix and break free of it and get back to organic living. Seeing each person as a real person, a real human being. And I love how the compendium speaks out about a nation and community being made up of real people. Now, last week, I shared my perspective with you of being an orthodox anarchist. I'm not going to get into those details again, but I, I am both an idealist and realist. I have high ideals in my mind of what a perfect world looks like, but I try to live out those ideals in a world that is not there. So I live realistically. For example, I don't like money. I think money is, is a terrible medium of exchange. Uh, I think money is an easy way to create corruption and greed. Uh, so I don't like money. I think we should get back, get rid of money and get back to a way of exchange such as bartering. And now bartering is a very inefficient way of exchange but it's more humane and relational. So if I'm going to barter something with somebody, I have to have a, a some kind of minimum relationship. I have to work with that person face to face. And so that person, I actually, if I'm going to rip them off, I actually have to look them in the face to do it. Money allows me to not have to pretend that person exists if I'm ripping them off. So I, you know, those are my ideals, but I also recognize that I live in a world of money as a way of exchange. So I seek then to use how to ask myself the question, how do I use my money justly so that it's good for humanity? Uh, another ideal of mine is to rid the world of nations, as I said earlier today, and to live as humans in small tribes around the planet. This greatly reduces warfare and curbs mass violence. It lends itself to greater relationships and helps curb the matrix or the machine, as some people call it. However, I realistically know that we live in a world of nations. So since this is the case, we need to learn how to promote justice in that environment. And one way to promote justice in nations is to trumpet and live the message that the masses 
are real people and that any political body must organically originate from that people. The moment a political body lives unto itself, it should be swiftly and decisively dealt with. I don't believe in violence, but I do believe in we the people. And so I encourage you to see the people around us as real people and not as pieces of the machine. I encourage you to live in love towards others. I encourage you to realize that this way, that the way you treat your neighbor is a truly political action. And I encourage you to promote a just community as you create a just society right where you are. You've been listening to Common Sense on Social Justice with your host, Michael Davis. A common sense and fresh perspective to creating justice where you are. Share your comments and questions with Michael by emailing sjcommonsense at gmail.com. That's sjcommonsense at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through matradayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.